Kia ora, whanau. Welcome back to Ngahere Talks. Um, hope that lockdown's not going too hard out for you guys. Um, I know some people are loving lockdown. I know some people are hating lockdown. Me personally, I'm kind of in between. I love it and I'm really struggling at the same time. Um, we've got a lot to do. We've got a lot on the line um, with all of our businesses and the mahi that we do. Um, so it's a real, um, it's a challenge, let's put it straight. Um, but loving, man, we love podcasts. We love kōrero. Ngahere Talks, kaia te rangatira is something that we're trying to invest in more this year and bringing at least one podcast every week. So this week we thought we'd chuck it out there and allow you guys to ask some questions. So for Instagram, Facebook, we got a bunch of awesome questions coming through. Um, so I'm just going to sit here and have a quarter with myself answering your questions and hopefully bringing a little bit of, um, I don't know, some substance or something for you to listen to um, while you're chilling at home, something inspirational. Um, a little bit of background or context around me if you're not sure of what who I am and what I do. Um, my name's Manu, I'm 40 years old. I was born and raised in Rotorua back in 1980. Um, I then studied commercial photography and really got into visual storytelling um, and marketing and stuff like that through there. Um, I ended up doing a whole bunch of youth development and community development work um, and left kind of my photography aside. I didn't like making money off it. Um, and then through that journey of community development, I got more into social enterprise and I'm super like, I'm just super interested and love the whole concept of using enterprise or business to help our whanau, our communities grow um, and achieve our dreams. Uh, seeing people understand their potential and reach that potential is my 100% passion and purpose in life. Um, and I try my best to um, outwork that in what I do, but also for me to, to do the same. Um, to know what my potential is and step into that even when it's scary as even when lockdown comes um, to just keep pushing through yeah I think that's so things around social enterprise things around business so, so I, I now own and operate three social enterprises um, that are based here in Monaco South Auckland we have I have a staff of 14 um, that I manage and employ um, we have a whole bunch of projects that are going on everything from digital content creators um, and e-commerce through to um, development programs and own, uh, operating a, a co-working space and a whole bunch of other stuff, as well as still trying to be a photographer on the side. Um, which, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, just Manawa Yudi, uh, I'm going to start to put a bit of an offering around my photographic prints on there too. Ah, shameless plug. All right, let's get into the questions. I'm going to start off with a stupid question from a mate of mine who I know you're listening because you always listen to these and I know that's why you put this question up. Um, but this question is, what age were you <laughs> the last time you mimmy the bed? <laughs> You're an egg, huh? you're an egg, but uh, I used to uh, flat with the person that asked this question um, if, uh, a while back. We used to flat together, but uh, I mean, I think I would have been uh, in my late 20s. Jeez, it's hard to remember. I think I was in my late 20s. I could have even been in my early 30s. Um, and... <laughs> No, I was definitely in my late 20s before I turned 30 and I was like crashed out as you are and you know those dreams that you have um, where in your dream you go to the toilet like you walk into the bathroom and then you sit on the toilet and then in your dream you start to go to the toilet and if you don't wake up in time you actually end up wetting yourself and <laughs> so that happened to me Um one night I was just having a dream and then I just I went to the toilet in my dream and then I woke up and I was actually pissing the bed 
<laughs> well, I managed to stop and run to the bathroom so I didn't make a big-ass mess. Um, and yes, it was the middle of the night. I couldn't be bothered. I just chucked a towel over my little wet patch and went back to bed. So that one's just for you. That one's just for you, you egg. But I don't, I don't know. Our bodies were made to leak, right? That's what they're supposed to do. Uh, so that's the stupid silliness out of the way. Um, I'm just going to run through these questions at random. But um, let me see. What have we got here? Uh, how do you stay motivated in lockdown when your surroundings are relaxed and on holiday vibes? Yeah, that'll be tough, eh? I think one thing for me... Um, I actually live on my own, so I don't have anyone else in my house, so it's just me and my bubble. So one thing is I guess I don't have too strong of an influence of other people in my space if they're kicking back while I'm trying to work. Um, but I think for me, it's still hard though because then like, I don't have anyone motivating me to do to get up and do what I do on a daily basis, so I do have to take responsibility for that. And I mean, I, I think maybe that's it, like taking that responsibility for what it is that you want to achieve um, I am quite a driven person I think and I, I set targets or goals or have a vision of where I want to be and where I want to go and that that tends to continue to drive me um, but also having like I think once you step out with something and you have it in front of you I mean I feel like I feel like I'm waffling a little bit but for us, we've got so much on the go at the moment that lockdown, all that lockdown means is we just keep going, but we do it from home. Obviously, our co-working space is closed, um, and so that we just let that sit until we can open that back up, but everything else still goes. Um, and so, I mean, I could choose to just drop everything and let it all go, um, but I think when you are the business owner and when everything that, like your livelihood and the livelihood of now 13 other people are... Uh, dependent on my ability to deliver on my promises um that's a huge driver for me to be able to get get up and get going I think um lockdown though in lockdown context I think having a, as much of a routine as you can I've noticed the days where I throw my routine out the window um I just I just can't get through it as well as if I still get up at the same time I'd I try to get up I still do my exercise in the morning have my breakfast have my shower get ready for my meetings and start my day the same way as I normally would that does help me get off to a good start whereas if I just think hey, I'm going to sleep in and I'll rock up to my zoom meeting right on time half half awake blurry eyed and all that like you're just not going to be in a good place right from the outset so I think that helps I think giving yourself room like physical room try and find a space where you can um escape a little bit and do what you need to do um, but also giving those around you I mean I feel like I, I have no place to preach this stuff but giving those around you whether it's your kids or your whanau the attention that they need and setting clear boundaries for yourself like okay i got to go do this now I'll be back soon or we're going to spend time here together and just like communication I feel like communication helps with a lot of things but I also you know I'm not a parent so I don't have to deal with that um but yeah, routine, setting aside some time and space for yourself. And then I think just being realistic, like um, you might not be able to do what you could do outside of lockdown, but you can still do something. And so I think reestablishing what that is, what it is that you can achieve through lockdown, whether it's mahi stuff, whānau stuff, um, you know, side hustle stuff, um, just establish that but be realistic what is actually achievable in this lockdown phase um, and balance it out with a little bit of just kicking back.
Yeah. Okay. Another question. Um, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to someone wanting to start a business but is unsure? And then on the back of that, what is the most important thing you must do to keep a business thriving? Man, if you want to start a business but you're not sure, there's two parts to that. Do some research and just start. You'll hear people, you'll hear entrepreneurs say it all the time. You just have to get going, man. You, the longer that you take, the more that you hesitate. Uh, one, you start psyching yourself out, but then it's just like it, the longer you, it takes you to get to your starting point is the longer it takes you to get to your um, your destination. And to be honest with you, business is not about a destination. Business and entrepreneurship is about a journey, 100%. You have to be able to love the journey. You have to be able to love the grind, the highs and the lows, Um and believe me, there's some pretty low lows, um, but there's some pretty awesome highs as well. So I think um, if you want to start a business, like the secret of business is it's all about um, providing a solution to other people's problems. Um, and the sooner that you understand that and the sooner that you get that, like a business is not just about people wanting your idea or wanting what, you know, who you are, what you have. I think too often people get so caught up with their idea that they forget that business is fundamentally about your customers. Like without customers paying for what you offer them, there is no business, plain and simple. And so understanding your customers and what they need and providing that for them is the fundamental for business. So if you have an idea and you want to start out, doing some research around, I mean, say you have an idea around a clothing brand, which is super popular at the moment, um, you have to really understand who are, who are you making these clothes for and everyone that starts out in business says, I'm making them for everybody. Um, but you've got to, man, you've got to learn sooner rather than later. And I think this is also the most important thing that you must do to keep a business thriving. Focus on your customers. Choose a customer audience. Choose a customer set. Understand that person. Like, Are you making clothes for um, the boys that go hunting in the Uruwetas, or are you making clothes for um, the chicks that eat oysters at Soul Bar at the Viaducts? Like, who are you actually making clothes for? Understand that customer and what is it that they want? What is it that drives them? Is it something warm and waterproof that's going to get them through the bush? Is it something um, super fashionable and revealing that's going to get them their oysters for free? You know, like, you, you need to know what's driving them. Um, and then you create something that's going to fulfill that desire or that need or that problem um, that they're facing. And then never, ever give up on that. To have a thriving business, other than, I actually think the most important thing of a thriving business is having a really healthy team. Um, but as far as business operations go, it is really putting your customers first knowing what they want, knowing how they feel, knowing what they experience when they come in contact with your brand um, and just serving them all the time. Yo, um, here's another question. Uh, what are some advice, what are some advice would you give <laughs> to small business owners during this lockdown to keep the business going? Yeah, cool. We, um, we, actually, we actually did a cool little thing on this. We should, we should reshare it. Um, a little simple strategy that I called Survive and Thrive. I actually put it together last lockdown and as a result of that strategy, Kat birthed Cornet, um, our e-commerce platform. But uh, in there it talks about the things that you need to do to just survive, like to get through. 
and then the things that you can do to maximize this opportunity so that you thrive out the back of it. So in the survive thing, it was kind of like, how can you um, reduce the amount of money that's going out? Are there any things that you can stop paying, subscriptions you can turn off? Um, like even for us, practically with our building, like we don't need to buy milk and stuff anymore and cookies and fruit and coffee and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, if you're struggling, like talk to the people, like if you have people that supply services or products for you, talk to them and ask them if you can have an extension. Um, like, you know, can I pay you next month or something like that? Um, but see how you can reduce the amount of money that's going out of your business for this time and then see if you can increase the amount of money coming in. So are there any leads that you might have had extra work that you didn't follow up yet? You know, chase them up. Are there any bills or invoices that haven't been paid? Chase them up. Um, have you got any stock left over that hasn't been sold? Chuck it on sale. Like, um, Just see what you can do to get a little bit more money in the door. So money, incre- decrease the money going out, increase the money coming in, and then the next thing to do is just kind of reset your values and your expectations for right now. Um, like what is most important to you and your business right now? Like is it, and that's going to be totally up to you where you're at um, with your family, where you're at with your personal self. Like if your own personal health and well-being and your mental well-being is suffering in lockdown, that has to be your number one priority or your family has to be your number one priority. Um, and Or if, if that's all good and you can keep going with your business, like what is it about your customers or your business in and of itself that is most important right now and then just start to focus on that. I think one of the things that we've done um, through this whole kind of COVID season is is really make sure that we shift our, our language and our offering so we're less about just selling stuff and more about supporting our people um, and supporting those that, are, uh, you know, follow us, believe in us, buy our stuff. Um, like what can we do to help them come through? So yeah, that's some stuff around surviving and then I think when it goes into thriving, it looks at um, what are the skills and talents that you and your team have? What are some opportunities that you've always wanted to give it a go but maybe you've never had the time or you've been a bit chicken? Um, and and start having a look at, like look at all of those different things and then break it down into, okay, what are, like, so what are some opportunities that are there? Then you got to break it down into, okay, what is actually realistic right now? Like if I don't, if you don't have the money to do that, then you can't do that or if you... Um, don't have the time to do that, then you can't do that. But break it down to what's actually realistic and what you're actually capable of doing and then just have a crack at it. Like execute on on some some new ideas um, while you've got the opportunity. Yeah, but also, man, if you need a break, just take a break. Claim it. No one's going to hate you for that at all. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's some advice to small business owners during lockdown. And reach out. Stay connected. Um, you know, I'm happy as to chat to anyone around their business stuff during this. There's heaps of cool people out there like Manaki and the HTK group and Fariki. That's for the Māori crew anyway. Pacific Business Trust. Um, there's all sorts of opportunities out there for people that are keen to help you. So just reach out and reach out to us in Ahere if you want. Or at Grid Monaco. That we're here, man. We're here. All right, next question. I'm trying to fire this through and not blabber too much. Um... Hang on, hang on, hang on. What's the <laughs> what's one of your most memorable moments growing up in Rotorua? Oh man, I tell you what, Rotorua was an awesome place to grow up in. Um, I grew up 
with my like extended whānau all around me all the time. So all my cousins and my aunties and uncles, which are kind of like cousins, but kind of like extra parents. Um, and my grandparents, like my nan and koro, um, we were down the marae heaps. Our koro took us out. He taught us how to stay connected to our, whan- our whenua um, and how to feed ourselves off the land and the sea and all of that. Anyway, um, I had an awesome crew of mates in Rotorua that we, um, some of them uh, became friends with at intermediate school, so 11, and then some more at high school, so when we were 13, and we've been a cool crew since then. But um, for us growing up in Rotorua, we, we didn't have a lot. I don't feel like we lacked, but we didn't have a lot. But we had really awesome friends and whānau around us. But we used to actually play... We used to play heaps of sports, and so we had a crew um, that played basketball. I mean, I played, but I was a little bit gumby and overweight, so I played a little bit, but I more just wanted to hang out with my mates. And But that was really cool. It kept us busy, and so all through high school we would play basketball. We'd be down at the at the sports drome. Sports drome? <laughs> I think that's what it was called. Sports dome. Sports drome at every Friday playing ball down there. And then as we got a little bit older, we'd travel around the Bay Plenty to different games on Friday nights. And then um, we'd have tournaments on the weekends and we'd hang around. And there'd be heaps of had, like hot guys that played basketball. And so we would sometimes get up to quite a bit of mischief in that space. I remember one time we borrowed our mate's car and took off to Hamilton to meet up with these hot dudes from church college. Um, which if you don't know, they used to smack, they used to kill it in basketball. They always used to win the New Zealand Nationals. Anyway, but our whole basketball life, when we were 16, um, 1996, we went on a trip over to the States um, as a basketball team, which was pretty amazing. I was a statistician. I didn't even play basketball, which was quite hard case. But it was cool, man. I, I loved it. Um, and shout out to coach Mrs. Lee, who was our basketball coach and made these opportunities for us, these little Māori girls from Rotorua to go over to California and play in tournaments over there and be billeted and go to high school for a day and go to Disneyland and stuff like that. So that was really cool. That was one of the coolest things, I think, about growing up in Rotorua. And, you know, only a few years later, my cousins were at um, Rotorua Girls High too and one of my cousins, Tux, she... um, what's up Tux she um, really excelled at basketball and and Mrs Lee the same coach um, got her connected with the same people in America um, that we had already met and built a cool relationship with and she ended up being one of the first um, basketball players in New Zealand to get a a college scholarship to go over there and play so yeah b-ball was the one okay back to some of these business questions Hey Manoa, big fan supporter of your work and heart for South Auckland business. Wow, shot girl. Um, my question is: Is working hard for many, many years worth fewer years in retirement? That's a really interesting question. I don't because I don't know if I, it's worth saying if if I know enough about that. But I think you have to put in the work to achieve what you want to achieve or have what you want to have. Um, and I actually don't think that hard work means fewer years in retirement. I actually feel that hard work means you can retire quicker. Um, one of my actual goals, one of my life goals, is to retire when I'm 50, aka as in to be financially sustainable in and of myself, that I can choose what I do and when I do it, and I don't actually have to work. Um, so I've got 
nine and a bit more years to achieve that goal. And so from that perspective, that's that's actually more years retirement. Um, I think in New Zealand, the age for retiring officially is 65. Is it 60 or 65? Um, when once your pension hit, hits. So man, if you can kick that off by 50 um, and be living a life with a level of financial freedom and autonomy or mana motu hake, man, that's the goal. So, And the only way for me to get that there, other than winning lotto, or marrying, finding some super rich dude that is willing to marry me is to work my ass off um, and make that happen. So yeah, I think it's worth it. And you're actually going to get out there. You're going to get out of there sooner. Mean, we got a couple more. Um, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me just scroll a bit. Did that one. Did that one. Um... All right, here's a bunch of questions around Ngahere and stuff. Uh, is there a reason why you chose Ngahere as your business name? Yes, there is a reason. So I remember when we started, because there's another question here that says, how did the name Bob and Bob come about? So maybe I'll do Bob and Bob first and then Ngahere. Because naming your business is, um, I actually think it's fun. I love that part. So Bob and Bob Creative Oh, even just Bob and Bob. So most of you who know me also know um, Mel, um, who is one of my bestest friends and business partner. Um, and when we were friends, like in the early years of our friendship and we were hanging out, um, I don't know what it, what it was, but we were just, we're just eggs. I think we like, one of the reasons that we're such good friends is that we are the same level of idiot. Um, and we do lots of stupid things or just find each other really hilarious um, and do lots of funny things. Anyway, at one stage, Mal got a bob haircut and it was super short, like super, like borderline helmet. Um, and I think I just started calling her Bob because of her haircut and she, like being the egg, the eggs that we are, started calling me Bob back. And it uh, honestly, it was that stupid and it just kind of, stuck on and so now we're known by lots of people as Bob and Bob and then we started our first business that we started together in 2016 was called Bob and Bob Creative our creative agency um, and it was Bob and Bob Creative that um, tended for and was awarded a contract with Auckland Council to run Te Hao Manukau which is the co-working space that we have here and when we run that won that contract to um, to work for council to work with council we um Instead of making it Bob and Bob Creative, because it was a creative agency, we decided to start a new business that was going to run this or manage this property um, and build this vision with Auckland Council. And so when we were pulling that together, and because every time that I have feel really strongly that I want to start a new initiative, I always, always, always go and talk to people that I trust, but also people that can... Um, people that might have a different skill set to me, like especially people that know about financial stuff or people that know about the um, area that I want to start a business in or an initiative in or people that might have access to funding. Like I love to talk to people about it and see um, how how what they respond with and I just learn heaps. It's kind of called in the business world, it's it's kind of called ideation but it's also called market validation um, where you go and have conversations with people out in the market and and it's those conversations that can help you validate or disvalidate, invalidate, I don't know, whether your concept is actually a good idea or not. Um, 
So in doing that for Te Hao Manukau, which is now Grid Manukau, or Grid Mink, shout out Melissa Taito, um, I ended up pulling together a cool little team. So it was myself and Mel, so it was Bob and Bob, and then Burdy, our Irish friend, and then um, Andy Crow, who joined us in the early days, and then also Kippy. Um, and so we were kind of the original crew that kind of got started on this project, um, along with Marcus Lafu, and then not long after that, Bex came in. Um, but that original crew, when we come together to put the business together that was going to actually go into partnership with council, we were trying to come up with a name. And I remember, I actually remember really clearly, we were sitting at Mal's house um, in her lounge, and we were just kind of coming up with a few ideas, and no one really had anything. Um, and we were talking about trying to make sure that we came up with a name that had had a cool meaning behind it. And so Ngahere came through that process. And I had actually been introduced to a friend of a friend. Um, I think it might have been just that summer before we did this. Um, and this guy, uh, Marcus his name is, who's a friend of my friend Anna, had uh, talked about this, uh, this kaupapa of Ngahere. Um, which is the word, the Māori term that's used for the forest. Um, but when you break it down like ngā and here, so those that you understand te reo Māori, um, ngā is like a plural, so it's for more than one. And then here is kind of like strands or bonds or could be seen as like um, connections. So the ngā here is many strands, many connections. Um, and when you think of a, look at a forest and you think of uh, like a, in its healthiest form, a forest is a thriving place, um, a life-giving place that where everything from a seed through to like an ancient kauri has a place that gives life, it gives life for birds and insects and sustenance and it, it, it breathes oxygen, you know, turns carbon dioxide into oxygen and helps people live and all that. So that picture of a thriving ecosystem is the same image and, and aspiration that we have for our people and our communities um, when it comes to the space and, and the things that we do. Where we want to see all types of people at every stage of life coming together and thriving and building something that services not just ourselves but everyone around us. So that is a super long-winded question, but there's so much meaning behind Ngahere. And now that we're three years into building Ngahere Communities, we have multiple communities around Ngahere communities, which is really awesome. Um, and we're just starting to see that picture, like just starting to see it. Like there's still a lot of seeds, but there's little seedlings and there's some shrubs coming up and some trees are getting taller and stuff like that. And it's super, ah, it's super exciting. So off the back of that, um, why South Auckland? Of all the places in Aotearoa, why South? It's a good question, actually. I think because, I mean, Rotorua is my home. It's my tūranga waiwai. It's where I was born and raised. It's where my family are. It's where my tūpuna are buried. It's where my marae is. It's the place that I still long for. Um, but South Auckland has become my my home now, um, my other home. And I think for me, like I said before, I'm passionate about our people, about our Polynesian people, our Māori and Pacifica people. Um, you know, South Auckland has embraced me and I have, I've, you know, made lots of connections and I'm, I'm loved and I live here and, 
this is where I do what I do and I'm so grateful for that and I feel connected to that but also our people you know are strongly represented here and overall our people are so uh, overrepresented in all the bad things like incarceration and addiction and health problems and violence and all of that sort of stuff and honestly I hate that I hate that and I want to change that narrative and South Auckland is a place where we can really make stuff happen um, you know we're right by the we are the gateway to Aotearoa from the rest of the world here in South Auckland everyone pretty much has to come through South Auckland we're right here between the the North Shore and the city and then Hamilton, like we're part of the main trunk line, like geographically it's a really cool location, right on um, Manukau Harbour to Manukunuka Huturoa, which is a powerful, a powerful harbour and a powerful place. So I think South Auckland is, is far more stunning and beautiful than people give it credit for, and I love it. It's cultural, it's creative, it's, it's like brimming with potential. Um and a lot of other people are far too judgmental of it to actually have go. Yeah, so it's wide open as a market as well. So that's why South Auckland. All right, I might do one more. I've actually got a meeting to get to. And so this one, at what point were you ready? At what point was she ready to take the leap to start her own business? And what did she need to do to prepare herself for it? At what point was I ready to take the leap? And what did I need to do? Okay, so 2016, 2018, 2016 is when I um, went out on my own. To be honest with you, I had a couple of stabs earlier in life as a photographer where I tried to, where I didn't try to, I freelanced as a photographic assistant and a photographer and then I really didn't like it. Um, I did, that was kind of more in the commercial advertising world. I did a bunch of wedding photography. I did lots of things around photography actually. Um but I never really got into it. And to be honest, I didn't have the business skills. But it was while I was working at Auckland Council. I worked there from, I think, like 2011 till 2015, till 2016 when I left. Um, and while I was there, I did a lot of work around learning about social enterprises. Um, and also because I was working with young people um, in a centre in Mount Roskill, we did a lot of things around youth entrepreneurship. And, and that purely came from a place that there was a community of lots of deprivation and there was young people that were hanging out all the time that just didn't have anything. Um, and so we would start to, um, we started to do initiatives in the centre that could help them have access to other things like money. So And it was simple things like lawn mowing in the school holidays and doing like biscuits and, and stuff like that at Christmas time and all these little kind of entrepreneurial, we set up a screen printing space uh, and, a, and a little screen printing business and then we did a, a training, like a really cool cafe called the Ruskell Coffee Project um, with Paul and Anna Fletcher and Rowan. And that was really awesome. So we did all these uh, like entrepreneurial things, but I was still in a job. And at the same time, I was getting frustrated creatively, even though I had creative outlet in the programs and initiatives I was designing. I wasn't being creative. So those were kind of the two tensions. And and I, so one, I was learning about entrepreneurship, but I wasn't doing it. Um, I was creative, but I wasn't using my creativity like I wanted to. And... Oh, I forgot what the third one was going to be. No, I, I wanted to start, I wanted to be more autonomous. I've always had a problem with people telling me what to do. Um, and after getting over so many people telling me that that is a bad thing 
and realizing that it's a trait that I have within me that drive and motivation and autonomy to make my own decisions and and create my own pathway was actually a positive then I had the confidence to move out and follow that because I don't I know that not everyone has that so when I got to that point then I started to feel restless um and what I did like I like I said before I did the same processes um thought about it talked about it looked at what um problems my potential customers had how could I solve that what service could I offer um, started looking into how do you set up a business and what tax all that sort of stuff I had to learn I learned from scratch like we all do um, what I did do and this was a really cool I had two cool pieces uh, I remember two conversations in that stage before I started a business one was don't resign from your job until you have a really solid contract or client that's going to sustain you and the second one was why do you want to go into business why and it's really, really important to understand why before you do it because that comes, it becomes super crucial um, as you get going because you can easily lose your way. And your why, for me, like I said before, was around autonomy, was around me having the ability to create my own path and do the things I want to do the way I want to do it with the people I want to do it with and not always be dictated to not stuck in public transport for two to three hours a day, stuff like that. Um, and so knowing why you want to be in business and what success looks like to you how it helps as well. Like do you want to be a huge global company or do you just want a small family-run business? Neither of them are right or wrong. It's deciding what you want because when you get going, like I said before, that's going to really help you. It's going to help you make a lot of decisions as well. Um, so, yeah, so I did that. I left... Um, I resigned from my job when I had a contract that was going to give me a six-month runway. So I <laughs> I managed to set myself up with a pretty cool contract working on a project that I had been working on while I was in council. So I kind of jumped the fence and I kept working on the project, but I didn't work for Auckland Council. Um, and that was enough to kind of get me, get me a little bit of stability in the early days so I could start out. Um, but I tell you what, it was a rocky journey. Like my first summer um, in business, being self-employed, I didn't realise how much in New Zealand businesses just shut down over summer. So you're, you know, probably December, you might be all right in December, but December, January, February, you're probably not going to get much money through the door. Because um, it's just how it is. People are just riding. You know, in December they're doing end-of-year parties and just going to all the barbies and drinking as much as they can. January, everyone's at the beach. No one's going to reply to you. And then February, they're just kind of warming back up. You might get some payouts in February. So the first year for me was terrible. I was broke as a joke. Um, but I learned a lot, and I actually learned how to live off a lot less than I thought I needed, which turned out to benefit my businesses really well. Because when you're in business yourself, um, your money and your business's money are kind of the same thing. So if you can spend a little bit less on your side, it gives more room on your business side for your business to grow. So anyway, that's me for today. I'm four minutes late for my hui, my next zui. As you can tell, I'm not super <laughs> in super hurry to get there, but I better get there. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening in. I hope that was helpful. If you want more Q&As again, just hit us up on Instagram at Ngahere Communities, at kone.nz, at tukuwafano, at gridmanuko, or oh, gridmnk. Um, 
But yeah, thanks for um, listening and fun. Take care out there. Kia haumaru to noho. Stay home. Actually, disclaimer, I know I am in the office today and you guys would have seen it online, but um, I'm the only one in the office. I just came in for the day. I'm struggling at home, I told you. I was, and this is straight up truth, I'm struggling at home on my own in this bubble and all the mahi I've got to do. Just a simple change of scenery and the opportunity to do this podcast um, was a decision I've made for my own mental health and I have not put anyone at risk, I promise you that. But uh, thanks for caring, Karina. All right, kakite anō, see you next week.